Hello and welcome everyone to the VGC Trainer School Podcast, episode number six, where we focus on the competitive side of Pokemon. Whether you are a ladder scholar or a newcomer to VGC, we will help you learn. Class is in session. Welcome back, everyone. Thank you so much for joining and listening to this episode. I am Jake, and I'm very excited to get into this with you. Um, I have with me Sempra and Will, so thank you both for joining. Sempra, what's new? What's going on with Pokemon for you? Uh, what's up? Uh, I'm just grinding ladder, as per usual. Um, I guess I've been team building a lot, which is new for me. I usually stick to one team and play it through the end of the series. That's That's pretty much what I've done every time, but... For once this time, I've built so many teams, and I, I, I really enjoy the format when you're exploring a ton of teams. You get used to, you know, you get used to the mindset of other people playing your teams because there's a bunch of team archetypes. You play every archetype, you become the master of, of the ladder, right? So that's, that's what I've been doing. Mastering the ladder. That is the perfect person that we want to have on to this episode for sure. So that's, that's awesome. Why do you tend to just hold on to one team? Like, What inspired you to uh, build multiple teams this time around? I think it's the format. I'm not going to lie. I feel like this format's really forgiving of your team. I started around Series 12 for Pokemon, but in Series 12, because of restrictions and stuff like that, that's Sword and Shield. You kind of, you had to stick to certain archetypes. If you're using Palkia, you have to use Calyrex Ice. If you're using Calyrex Shadow, you have to use Asian, stuff like that. It's way less restrictive in this format. It, it feels like you can get away with a lot of stuff. So it just, I just feel like playing everything. I totally get that. I, I definitely agree with you. You sort of get this in your head and you're just like, I could totally use that. I could totally do this set. I could I could make Dragapult work. I could make Espathra work or whatever. Yeah, well, thanks for coming on, of course. Will, also on the podcast, returning. How are you doing? What's new in the world of Pokemon for you? I'm doing good. Things are going well. Um, what have I done recently? I did my holiday Cinder Race raid with everybody else with my uh, store power sliver that seemed to be going around. That was frustrating, but I got it, so that felt good. BGC-wise, I built my team that I'm going to start laddering with. I hadn't really tried it out yet, but I used the rental team that was kind of similar. So I played around with that. I liked the feel for it. wanted to make a couple of changes, made my new team, got everything ready for that to go over the holidays. And now I'm going to dive in the next day or two and try and ladder with that. Um, it's funny because I'm kind of the exact opposite of Sempra, which is uh, what I was thinking of as he was talking. I like to build lots of teams and never end up using any of them at all. And it's all just like lots of fun theory modding for me. And now I'm trying to do the opposite of like, I have this team. I spent a couple of days building it over the holidays and I'm going to use it. I'm sticking with this team for the rest of the month, for the rest of the season and the rest of series one, which is like not how I approach Sword and Shield at all. So I feel like Semper and I did like a little Freaky Friday thing here. That's awesome. Could you tell us like, what is this team that you built? I'm really curious. Uh, I mean, it's nothing special. I'm not. Oh, come on. I'm sure it is. Here. No, it's uh, I like the uh, lava plume click buttons mode of armor rouge. So I have that with gosh bun and body press things with uh, Baxcalibur. So I can do the thermal exchange stuff with him, too. Um, and then DD for, you know, expanding force spam. I think it's pretty similar to like the team that Moxie built. The last two mods I changed, I'm going to try Glade and Murkrow because, I mean, I've said it like every time I've been on this podcast, I'm using Hayes Murkrow for any team I'm building right now. 
So those are my changes. We'll see how it works, but at like at the very least, that core four that I started with is something. I don't think my changes will make it too much worse than Moxie's. I mean, any team with Doxbund and Vaxcalibur, I think that's certainly something special. So good luck, of course, to you. I think that sounds like a lot of fun. I'm excited to hear how your progress goes on the ladder. For me, I uh, so I got to Master Ball tier in, in, ser- in uh, Series 1, and then now since the ladder reset, getting back into it as well. I'm laddering my first team that I've actually built as opposed to using the rental teams in series one. So that's been very fun, especially since shiny hunting is so easy now. Like I have no patience whatsoever. Like I never gave shinies the time of day. I was always just like, I don't care if you have, you know, the sparkle or whatnot, if you don't have perfect IVs or the specific ability that I'm looking for, I don't, I don't care. You don't have any sort of competitive advantage because of how easy they made it to turn any Pokemon into a competitive Pokemon, it's awesome. I've been, I've been able to use my shiny Farigaraf and my shiny Grimmsnarl, and it's like I've just been having a lot of fun with that. So that's what been, else that's you have. Nice. I feel like uh, you're always telling us that you got a new shiny. And I did, yeah. I got an Altaria. I got a Murkrow. Uh, I just recently got a Volcarona because I've been seeing that shoot up the usage stats, which we're going to be getting into. And so I was like, I got to get that just in case I need it. So it's been it's been fun. You know, you, you ride up and down on your on your legendary a little bit. And then, oh, there it is. I'll just go find that. Sure. I haven't hunted anything yet. I've stumbled on like three full odd shiny. Well, I guess not full odd. I had the shiny charm for a couple of them. But that Galate, I'm using a shiny. I just found that randomly in like my story playthrough. And then I found a Rookedy and uh, also an Altaria. So... Nice. I don't know. Maybe I'll find a way to put them to use. Nice. But cool. Thank you guys so much for hopping on. I'm very excited to dig into it. And what exactly are we going to be talking about today? Um, well, we're going to be talking about some Peakalytics data from the month of December. But before we get into that, we do want to cover some news that has been popping up in the VGC community. And we'll talk about the Peakalytics December data. And then we are actually going to touch base with Tony and Spicer, who are both competing in the San Diego Regionals this weekend, which is very exciting. So I definitely want to get a little bit from them about how's it going, what's the vibe, how has everyone been, are you enjoying it, all that kind of stuff. So definitely stay tuned for that later on. But first, let's start with the news. All right, so this first piece of news I'm going to take because by the time you're listening to this, it's no longer news. Uh, This is about the event for Dragapult and Hydreigon. They were appearing in four-star and five-star raids. For Dragapult, they were appearing in Violet, and for Hydreigon, they were appearing in Scarlet. The event ran from January 6th through the 8th. I personally have Violet, so... I was seeing a bunch of Dragapult, but I already had that. But Hydreigon is the more competitive, viable Pokemon. So I was u- utilizing the Poke Portal to look for those specific Terra types that I know are very popular right now. So I was able to pick up Poison, Steel, and Electric. I already had a Fire Terra. So at this point, I feel pretty good about being able to secure those 
was fun. Semper, you want to take this next one? Uh, yeah, sure. So this news, unfortunately, like the raids, it'll be over by the time you hear it. Uh, it was mentioned at the beginning, but San Diego will have happened. A couple notes are it runs from the 6th, which is today, to the 8th. Uh, it should start tomorrow, I believe. It uses Series 1 rules and open team sheet. And the other regional that happened was Taiwan, and that one didn't have open team sheet. So people are looking at this one pretty heavily. Not having open team sheet does change the dynamic a lot. Uh, it, it's also later into the season because series rule, series one was very new by the time Taiwan came around. It's evolved a lot, so people are looking at it really heavily now. It's also the biggest VGC regional in history, over 600 participants, and it's the first NA regional for Scarlet and Violet. 600 participants is, yeah, the largest in history, which is crazy. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at this heavily. I think everyone else is looking at this heavily. Just excited for what comes from this. A lot of people save their best strats for the regional. They want to win, and of course, you save your best strats for the, the bigger events. So everyone's trying to win, and so that's that's something I keep an eye on. And by the time this podcast is uh, is uploaded, it should be over. So you know, looking at those top teams should give a really, really deep insight into what's happening. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they're probably going to be streaming it on on Twitch and YouTube. I know that they do like to do that. Tony and Spicer are both down there, so very interested to see how they do as well as Alex is, is there as well. So, and I'm sure a bunch of other members of the, of the discord community, which as I always like to plug, please do join. Uh, we are a lot of fun and we do a lot of stuff. Definitely check that out. But yeah, I'm very excited to see what San Diego brings and how the meta is going to shift because of it. And that's stuff that we're going to be talking about certainly in the, in the future, maybe even next episode where we do just a, uh, a wrap-up on San Diego. Uh, Will, what about this next one? So everybody else's news was uh, something that they said is going to be old by the time you hear it. Mine is already old, actually. Season one of the Rank Letter has come to a close. Uh, that ended a couple of days ago. Hopefully you climbed all the way up to Master Ball. I know Jake did. I assume Semper did. We won't talk about me, but hopefully everyone else did. And series season two has uh, started. That started, I believe, yesterday, and that runs through to the end of the month. Um, it's still considered Series 1, so it's the exact same rule set that we played in December. It's just a whole new ladder and a chance to rise up the Master Ball and try and rank as high as you can. So just a reminder of what those uh, Series 1 rules are. You can only use Pokemon in the Paldea decks. Uh, that does not include any Paradox Mons, still not allowed. Ruinous Quartet, also not allowed. The Box Art Ride-On Legendaries, not allowed. And none of the other weird ones that have kind of found their way into the game, like Quagsire, Perserker, Cinderace, and Charizard, those are technically not part of the Paldea Pokedex, so you cannot use them. So yeah, happy grinding. Hopefully we all end up in Master Ball. You have till January 31st, so get to it. Yeah, uh, that'll be that'll be interesting to see what happens, because then starting February 1st, the last bit of news that is really just breaking today as we are recording is that the Series 2 rules have been announced and making their way back into the meta are the Paradox Pokemon. Um, the Ruinous Quartet are still banned, as are the non-Paldea Pokedex Pokemon, such as, you know, Quagsire and Cinderace and those, of course, the, the restricted Rhydon Pokemon. But the Paradox Pokemon are available. There is no limit to the number of them that you can have, which is very interesting to see how that's going to that's going to develop. If people are just going to go full Paradox, or we're going to see 
a lot of sun teams or electric terrain or something like that to, you know, for photosynthesis or quark drive. I'm very, uh, very excited for this new meta and see what sort of teams pop up because of it. So for you both, I'm just curious, what Paradox Pokemon are you excited to potentially use and maybe build a team around? Uh, for me, it's kind of silly. The first thing that came to my mind, I don't think it'll be good, but I think it'll be fun, uh, is Screamtail. I'm using it in our draft league, and that thing has like a ridiculous move pool. You could do whatever you want with it. It is also really bulky, and I know Jake and I have been talking that we're kind of both starting to realize we tend to like those mods and those teams a little bit more. So I'm kind of interested in checking it out. It's definitely not going to be the most popular pick compared to some of the other ones, but maybe it'll at least be fun to play around with. Uh, my favorite's probably going to be uh, Iron Bundle. I think that thing's going to run the whole meta. To be honest, it's probably going to be the top usage. That's my take. Top of the usage. Iron Bundle. It's just so fast and it hits so wow. so strong. Over Fluttermane, you think? I, I think so. I think people have realized the tools to beat Fluttermane. I just think Iron Bundle is so good for speed control. It's so fast. It speed creeps Fluttermane by one point. And uh, Water Ice, I don't think there's anything that can resist that. Yeah, it's not even that. It's uh, Water Freeze Dry, right? That, yeah, that exactly. Neutral. Exactly. So I'm really excited for that. Those are both great picks for different reasons, too. And it's like, I, I do think that both of them could definitely see some value. I think for me, it's got to be Iron Moth. I mean, 140 special attack and 110 speed. I mean, the, the 110 speed, uh, you know, of course it gets it gets beaten out by mouse hold, but the 140 special attack has me salivating that there's gotta be something there. Like there, there's no way that you just, that there's a Pokemon that strong of an offensive option that doesn't make waves in, in the meta. Maybe you put a choice card or something on it, but in the sun, I mean, whew. Good luck, but cool. Um, so that's the news. That is what's going on in VGC. And uh, let's move on to the topic. So for today, uh, for, this, for this episode, I just wanted to really dive into the December data that we see on Peakalytics. Uh, Peakalytics, for those that don't know, is a website that gives great information about Pokemon, helps you to team build, and really just is a is a fantastic resource that if you aren't using it, I strongly, strongly suggest it. You know, certainly provide a link to it if you're if you're un, unfamiliar. But it is a wonderful resource. And what they do is they utilize the data that is provided monthly from battles that take place on Showdown or Pokemon Showdown. And this gives you usage statistics for Pokemon, moves, items, EVs, natures, and teammates that really help you to team build because it gives you the ability to see what your resistance is, what your type advantage may be, um, your offense, offensive capabilities. So it's just a really, a really great resource. So what we want to do is we want to look at some of this data that has been provided to them and be able to see what's the top 20 for some of these teams and what they're doing, what, they're, what the teams are looking like, what the moves are looking like, what the spreads are looking like. Because understanding what the meta is doing can help you to team build because you can either you know, utilize those Pokemon as a starting point to say, everybody else is using these, why? Or you can say, you know what? I don't want to use these. I want to build something that is off meta or maybe specifically counters it. So you have a lot of different options and being able to look at this data specifically 
is good to do. So the way I want to handle this is this is very much just a discussion. Uh, it's going to go however we want it to go. So just to start off with, I'll just throw the question out there. What's something in the top 20 that maybe you are surprised to see or perhaps uh, happy to see in the top 20? Semper, you go first. I guess I'm happy to see backs. I think a lot of people were were uh, dunking on backs in the beginning. They were like, this is the worst pseudo they've ever made. I I think people started to realize later on that backs caliber isn't as bad as they think it is. It has like 145 attacks that, right? It's it's just crazy. Mimikyu right beside it makes sense. The backs Mimikyu Tauros teams kind of took off uh, closer to the end of the season. So I'm, I'm happy to see backs up there. Yeah, Baxcalibur is sitting at number 21 at 8.88% oh, usage. So not number 20, but... Uh, but still still right there on the doorstep, which is, yeah. which is, I think, a trend that we're seeing because you're right. There have been a lot of Baxcalibur Salazzle teams, I guess, that have popped up because there was a successful team that was it either won a, a tournament or came second yeah, or something no, like that. It, it came first and second in the same tournament. So wow. it, it was... That was a Salazzo versus, I think that's the first team that kind of showed people how good both Baxcalibur and offensive Mimikyu is. And I think I think it kind of evolved from there. I think people started dropping Salazzo. Salazzo is just two. It, it does one thing. I think a lot of people started playing Volcarona. Uh, a lot of people tested out a bunch of things. But Yeah, I like Baxcalibur a lot, especially with that item loaded dice. Um, sitting at just under 30% usage. For those that don't know, loaded dice, I think, guarantees at least four hits for yeah, multi-hit moves. Yep. So it's like you're getting an 80 base power icicle spear, right? Or is it? Or is is it? Is each hit 20% or 20 base right. points or 25? Me, I think 25. Yeah. Whew. So that's, that's so guaranteeing 100. 100 base power physical ice move which you don't have otherwise. If you're guaranteeing four, that is a strong attack. Plus you get Ice Shard, yeah. you get Dragon Dance, you get Glaive Rush, which is such a cool move, especially the animation in-game just sliding on its head. Very fun. Yeah, and like Semper pointed out, 145 base attack. Like This thing is just tearing holes through teams. And you can't even burn it. Thermlux change, yep. so cool. And you put it next to your Armourous Lava Plume and you get another boost. Or at least that's what I'm going to be doing. There you go. There you go. I think that's a great call out, Sempra. What about you, Will? Uh, the most surprising thing to me, which, I mean, it's not that surprising, but Miascarada number one, I know it was obviously really good. It's like placed really well in tournaments. I know it would finish high. I don't think I was expecting number one exactly, but it appeared on like 40% of teams. That's like crazy. This thing's getting like incinerator usage. Yeah, that's one of those, that's one of those mods. And what's funny about that too is on Meowskarada, it has the hidden ability of Protean, which up until now was an amazing ability, if whether it was Protean or uh, uh, Libero or whatever, you know, to be able to change your type based on the move that you're using. Overgrow is nearly 80%, and it's still the number one used Pokemon because it's so fast and it's so strong. And a crit move 100% of the time that doesn't miss, amazing. I think, yeah, I think Overgrow is cool. I think it's just how strong the Mon is without even needing Protean. Like, yeah. I think when we first looked at it, 110 attack is, like, very lackluster. Like, I think I don't think 
anyone expected this looking at the stats to be at the top of this, especially when we heard protean nerfs. But right. people just ran overgrow because it has two of the best stat moves in the game with flower trick and knockoff. Yep. And you can't be redirected with rage powder and you can't be spored and you can't get prankstered. Like it's just, I think it's typing and it's, it's double stab moves are just so good that overgrow is kind of necessary now. Even Bans has to turn to run uh, overgrow. And you know what's funny about its typing too is that like you have the same typing on something like Shiftry or Zarud, garbage tier Pokemon. You're just like, oh, you get one shot by any bug attack? That's terrible. But when you look at it from an offensive perspective, I mean, grass and dark, that's awesome. It hits basically everything. Yeah, and it also is like a big place in the minute now because you look at what's the number two most popular Pokemon. It's Golzango, so that dark looks really nice there. Yeah. And then, of course, number five is Dondozo, and having the crit stab into Dondozo, who's getting the defense boost, is, like, huge. So both of them, you're kind of forcing these major threats to Terra to possibly avoid getting Oko'd from Miascarada. Absolutely. And the, the specific counter there with Dondozo is the fact that with the partner Pokemon of Tatsugiri having Commander, when they're on the field at the same time, Dondozo gets that plus two Omni boost. But because of the benefit of Flower Trick critting through all of that, it goes through that plus two defense boost. So it's just super effective damage, unless, of course, Dondozo has Tarot into something else. But I think for me in the top 20, I think Arcanine is something in here that I am surprised to see. And the reason I call this out is because I think this is on the downtrend. I haven't seen Arcanine in in years, it feels like, on the ladder, because Intimidate just doesn't seem to really be there because you have these threats like King Gambit and Annihilate that are utilizing Defiant. So it's like, sure, come in, intimidate me. I'm going to be stronger. It doesn't even matter. Or then you also have like these Tauros forms, you know, these new Paldean Mons that are sort of taking over the Intimidate spot from Arcanine. So it's sitting at 13% on Picolytics. I wouldn't be surprised to see that number maybe like over the last couple of weeks be closer to like 5%. I haven't even seen like a bulky set in a very long time. That's very true. I don't, I don't know how Taurus isn't here. Taurus is so strong, especially the water form. You know, with, with Terrifier, you, you destroy a lot of the, the top threats. You have positive matchups into, uh, into all of the Defiant Mons in case you you know, unfortunately, do have to bring it into the Defiant Mons. A lot of months have dropped Clear Amulet. Garchomp, for example, in the beginning was just running Clear Amulet. Now it's all Life Orb set. And I, I, I do agree with you that I expect Tauros to take over its position once we get an update on this list. Yeah, I think Arcanine, like, it's definitely usage going to go down. I think it always will have some place. At its core, Intimidate is still useful. Access to Snarl is still really good. Extreme Speed's a great move. Um, it's pretty bulky, good speed. Flash fire is a good ability for it to have also if they stop running Intimidate. It's probably not going to stay in the top 20, but I don't think it'll disappear entirely. It has pretty good staying power. You're probably right. And also, too, I mean, just a mono fire type that is bulky. I mean, fire is a very good defensive typing. I know it's often used offensively, but I mean, I know this is not available yet, but there are a lot of sets that utilize like a bulky Heatran set and like bulky Arcanine. So, I mean, it's certainly there. And plus, I mean, as a look ahead for series two, Arcanine does do pretty well against Fluttermane. And 
we know that that's going to be everywhere also. So assuming it's not getting hit by a shadow ball. But if you Terra a normal, then you also benefit there. Yeah, yeah which that... you might want to do anyway for extreme speed. Right, yeah. stab extreme speed. I think Choice Band is a top use item too, right? It Just extreme speed is so good and it's on so few mods. Yeah, 35% for Choice Band and then down to 15% for Salt Vest and 15% for Citrus Berry. Honestly, um, now that you mention it, 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 it could have a lot of staying parameters too, especially because the Paradox Bonds don't get any other abilities other than Quark Drive and whatever the other one is. Which, Pro- which Protosynthesis, yeah. Right, Protosynthesis. And a lot of these are heavy-hitting physicals. I, I can see Arcanine making a run back now that you mention it. Yeah, and a lot of them probably won't have clear amulet, right? They're going to be doing booster energy or something. So you do have the Intimidates into them. Right. Very true. And again, just for those that don't know, booster energy is something that is able to trigger the ability on the Paradox Pokemon without needing the terrain for the Violet future Paradox Mons or Sun for the past Scarlet Paradox Pokemon. Um, but you only still get one booster energy per team. So that also sort of paints the picture of how some of these teams are going to have multiple potentially. Getting back to this information here, we have something very interesting that has been called out on social media in, in the past and you know here recently is the discrepancy between low ladder Dondozo usage and high ladder Dondozo usage. Looking at Smogon usage, like your your rank, basically, they utilize this, I guess, ELO in a way, for a rating. So if it's between 0 and 1,500, Dondozo is at 9%. But once you get over 1,700 or the high ladder, which is what we're sort of talking about these usage rates at, Dondozo jumps to 25% usage, which that type of jump is it's like, do you guys think that people are more afraid of Dondozo so they're like I'm gonna use it and force my opponent to have to deal with it or do you think that it's just it really is the best way to go because it's so bulky and it gives you a lot to be able to defeat another team and force them to use a lot of resources to take you down I think it's a couple of things I think part of it is a lot of people when they're new to VGC or starting out tend to try and avoid like the metamons as they see it like we've all seen posts on like rvgc or even people in our discord who don't want to use the most popular mons because they think they want to do it with their niche picks which is all good and fun but eventually those tend to not work out as well and i think that probably contributes to it a little bit sandozo is kind of like the poster boy for vgc season one so far i'd say so there might be a little bit of hesitancy on low ladder to use like the mon that everyone's talking about. And instead to try and come up with a super creative Dundozo counter. I think another part of it is that it's not as easy to use as it appears at first. I think everyone's first impression was like, yeah, Dundozo, Tatsugiri, and just click the button and boost yourself and it's good to go. But the really good Dondozo players have learned like you preserve it in the back, you take out the things that threaten it, and you just bring it at the end game where nothing can really take it down. And I think that's kind of given it a little bit of a higher learning curve than people expected. I think what a lot of people don't realize Dondozo does is nearly everyone has dedicated a slot to a Dondozo counter, whether they realize it or not. Being Murkrow, being a soft counter in, uh, in Meowth's Grotto, you know, other things like Mirror. And I think what higher ladder people have realized is Dondozo doesn't always have to come out. You know what your opponent is going to bring because they're always going to want to counter the Dondozo that you bring. If you see a Murkrow on the opposing team 
you can almost with 100% certainty guarantee that that Murkrow is in the back. And, and you can abuse that in, in a couple of ways. You can not bring Don Dozo. And because they're bringing Murkrow in the back, you can bring your own Tailwind and just run through their team because they can't match Tailwind. You can also abuse that with, if you can predict me, Ascaratus coming because that's the only Don Dozo counter they have. You're at such an advantage because you know what your opponent's bringing. And yet they have to, they're forced to bring their counters to your Don Dozo, if that makes sense. And I think that's something a lot of players haven't realized yet, because I'm sure if, if you if you took these usage rates, and and instead you you took how many times they come out, I honestly think Don Dozo is going to be below forty percent, because a lot of players will will keep it almost as a scare tactic. You feel me? Like yeah, that's a really good call. Absolutely, yeah. I think uh, Aaron Trailer got like second place in one of the first tournaments with the Don Dozo team, and then he did like a team report on uh, Cybertron's channel. And he pretty much mentioned, like, the way I built this team is that I have Dondozo and Tatsugiri and the other four mons just, like, take advantage of your Murkrow. And I'm going to force you to bring that Murkrow. I'm not going to bring Dondozo and Tatsugiri, and I'm going to win four versus three against your Murkrow. And exactly, exactly. And you force your opponent to play four versus three. If they want to predict that you're not going to bring Dondozo and Tatsugiri and then you do bring it, that's almost even a faster win. And so that's why I think higher ladder players are abusing. And they abuse... The opponent's mindset, I want to counter down Dozo because I expect it to come out. And then you don't bring it. And now you're an advantage just from, you know, team selection. And that's why a lot of the Don Dozo teams, I feel like the two top archetypes with Don Dozo are Sand and Talonflame Tailwind. And it's because with Sand, you take out the Murkrow that you expect to come out. And now you're playing three versus four. And with Tailwind, you just abuse the two front mons that don't have a Murkrow to set up their own Tailwind for. And so I think that's what higher ladder players have realized. It's just... You don't need to bring Dondoza for it to be threatening. Yeah, no, I think that's a great call out, Samper. You, you talked about a lot of stuff there. I think setting up your team and having it look a specific way for someone to think, like, I'm going to counter this because they have these six organized in a very specific way. So, like, they're, they definitely want to bring Dondozo here. And then you can counter them because they're trying to counter you and, you know, find an opening or something like that. Um, and I think Talonflame is, is something really cool that you touched on as well, because it's sort of like the the secondary Tailwind user from what we see, because it does still get priority Tailwind, just like Murkrow, but it doesn't have any additional priority outside of those flying type attacks. But I think the Talonflame is a great segue for what I want to sort of get into next. Pokemon that are maybe you know, lower on that top 20 list or out of the top 20 entirely that we think are going to be on the rise here throughout the rest of January before we get into Series 2. So for me, it's got to be Skeledurge. It really is. I mean, the fact that it is a fire ghost type, but it's very bulky is is a lot of fun. With terrestrialization, of course, you can take away a lot of those weaknesses. I personally use a water Skeledurge, which is fun, but it's the hidden ability, unaware, plus the signature move in Torch Song that just boosts special attack and also triggers Throat Spray if you're using that. It's a great Dondozo counter. It's great in Trick Room. It's great to stop Endeavor or other fighting type attacks. You can just switch in easily. I'm seeing it a lot in cores with Grimmsnarl for that bulk behind the screens and also Annihilate, interestingly. Um, they have a, a pretty good synergy there. 
And uh, it's been a lot of fun to use. I've definitely enjoyed it. And it gets sustained with Slack Off and also some disruption with Will-O-Wisp. Um, I'm seeing it a ton. I wouldn't be surprised if it makes it to the top 20, maybe even inside the top 15 uh, when we see these January usage stats. Semper, what about you? Uh, what do you What do you think uh, is going to be something that you have your eye on? I think I touched on it. Uh, Tauros. I think not being in top 20 is criminal. It's just so good. And I think after this regional, people are going to realize. Which one? Both or like the fire or water specifically? I think the water is just better. Okay. Uh, How come? I feel like other than flower trick, you just resist so much. And then with terrifier, you just, I feel like you cover so much defensive option. And then on top of that, you're so, you hit so hard. Raging Bull takes down street uh, screen, stuff like that. So. I, Aqua Jet also. There's Aqua no Jet, right. For, Priority. Yeah. It's just so good. And uh, Raging Bull is such a great move. It's just made. so good. Yeah. I think Taurus naturally just destroys the, the screens teams, not even just Raging Bull, just Intimidate, Priority. It just hits so hard. It's so bulky with enough assault vest. It just, it's just so, so good. Uh, but past that, I think, I think Palafin. I feel like Palafin is so underutilized right now, but at least we're on ladder right now. I'm seeing a lot of Palafin. Uh, one thing it does, it hazes really, really nicely because it can't get one shot by Dondozo. So naturally, you know, a lot of people have been talking about the Dondozo matchup. You almost cannot bring Dondozo versus Palafin. It, it just, it, you just can't do anything about it. It naturally destroys Dondozo because you want Dondozo in the back. You know, Palafin's always going to be in the back once you switch it out. It comes in at the same time as Dondozo does. Hazes away all the stat changes. It's just such a good mod. Jet Punch, 60 base power is so broken. 160 base attack after switching. It's just, I honestly think it's going to do so well at, at the Aquarium Regional too. I hope you're right. I thought Palatine was such a cool Pokemon since it was like announced and uh, released. I think it like, look cool. It's a cool idea for Pokemon. I dig all like the Superman references built around it. I haven't actually used it. So to see that it actually will work, I'm like, I'm excited. I hope you're right. It'll be cool to see that thing actually get some more usage. I really didn't know that it got haze. Like, I mean... And I guess I'm the idiot because it's sitting at 23% on Haze, but yeah, I, I don't know why it's it like a 23. bulky offensive attacker. Oh man, when you when uh, Jake, when your team drafted Dondozo and Draft League, we were like, we got to make sure that we have Haze for Palafin. Yeah, I could recover. I don't understand why it's at 23. I think it has to be old usage stats. Oh yeah, these. I mean, like, because these these are also looking at like original, you know, week one, week two, and everyone's just like. Yeah. Holy shit! Look at that 160 attack stat. I gotta use just all all physical attack on it. I I, I think a couple of rain teams are doing really well, but none of them have had Palafin. I don't think, and it's just so weird. Yeah. Like getting access to bulk up, drain punch, jet punch, and then your fourth moving haze to destroy Dondoza teams. It's just such a solid mon. Yeah. And then some of the teammates with it, of course. You know, you mentioned Pelipper. But then Amoongus to be able to redirect away that damage. And then you can just continue to fire off jet punch after jet punch. And so the thing with, with water attackers is everything just stacks so well for them because of rain. Like that 50% boost just is just exponentially just sends these, these damage ratings through the roof. It's insane. It's not even like it's not bulky or anything. I'm pretty sure it lives a flower trick. It's just so bulky on top of that yeah you resist make it rains and it's got 100 base speed i mean that's certainly nothing to you know dismiss which means that when it's in it and it has 100 base speed 
in its uh its zero form I exactly. guess exactly zero form so you can still flip turn out pretty pretty easily yeah and you know in rain you do a lot of damage anyway it's just i i don't know how it's not getting the usage it deserves and i really think this regional is going to be the palafin proving ground and for those that are using palafin just make sure to have an answer for for rigorath uh, because Ferrigarath, with its ability Armor Tail, does stop priority attacks. So Jet Punch would then, if you get blocked into that, then you are completely uh, stopped, basically, because of that ability. I think that's why King Game is one of its natural partners. Yeah. You, you deal with Indeedee and, and uh, uh, what is it? Ferrigarath. Yeah. King Game is there at 36%. Really well. Yeah, great call. Also fits well into a rain team. Mm-hmm. Exactly. With the steel. Exactly. Yeah. And you can stack a Dragonite on this team. Extreme Speed Killer. You have Oof. so much priority. It's just. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really think that this is such a threat. Now you're making me want to go back and start building more teams. <laughs> we go shiny on that thing. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, Will, what about you? What's something that you're, you know, interested in outside of the top 20 or looking on the rise? Uh, a couple that caught my eye. I know Gengar's been rising in popularity. I was surprised to see it as low as it is here. It's like 37 rank. I think people were starting to use it more over Murko as like a fast tease user that can also like contribute offensively, which Murko can't really do. I mean, this thing still has like 130 special attack, sludge bomb, shadow ball, its own haze, icy wind for speed control. It could do the surprise trick room or hypnosis or will o wisp or imprison trick room. It's like pretty useful. I wouldn't be surprised to kind of shoot up just because of this cool kit that it has. Uh, the other thing that really caught my eye was Hariyama. I know like that sand core has started to gain up in popularity. And I think Hariyama does pretty well into that, which has also kind of resulted in him jumping up in uh, popularity too, which works out well for your shiny one. Yeah, definitely. And so with Hariyama, obviously fake out is the is the big, you know, the big move there with 98% usage, almost 99%. It's HP stat at 144, which is just insane. And of course, it's low speed at 50 really helps to be in trick room. And most importantly, wide guard um, sitting at 63% usage. But you can pretty much guarantee that it's almost 100% usage because it stops those rock slides. And then, of course, stab close combat takes care of those rock types on that same team. Yeah. Yep. And knockoff always useful. Yes. A lot of them are going uh, carry dark also for knockoff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, Hariyama is really cool because you don't necessarily need to run it min speed, which is nice. Of course, the item here, the most used is Flame Orb to be able to trigger Guts, which gives you that plus one in attack just by being burned. But the benefit of that also is that it helps to stop from being paralyzed and also put to sleep. So that is a benefit, even though you are losing a little bit of HP each time. I think Hariyama is very cool. And it wasn't in Switch, so it's also nice to see something come back and uh, really take the meta by storm. Yep, especially before it gets replaced by uh, future Hariyama in a couple of weeks. True, true. Yeah, we'll, we'll see how we'll see how the sumos battle it out. I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, Hariyama still hold its own against Iron Hands. Yeah, plenty of room for both the big boys. They both have fake out, so maybe maybe you put them both in the same team. That might be kind of cool to have them both on the field at the same time. I'm sure someone's going to do that. Oh, for sure, for sure. I think for me, something that I want to call out here that is low on the usage, but you should absolutely be prepared for, and it's Lycanroc. 
we mentioned the sand team and that 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 is popping up and lichen rock is a big aspect of that because of endeavor specifically um, with endeavor it's able to hold on with focus ash down at that one hp but then it's still so fast that it's like oh i'm gonna bring you down to one hp as well endeavor is sitting at 93 percent i've never seen that before so you just have to be very prepared that you are going to be brought down to whatever HP that Lycanroc is at. And then also Endure, it's able to take all damage for that turn and still remain at at least one HP. And because of the fact that it is a rock type, it's not taking any chip in sand. So it's able to kind of benefit at being at one HP more so than a lot of other Pokemon may be. The one way around that, of course, is to be a ghost type whether you are naturally a ghost type or a terrestrialized ghost type, because Endeavor does not hit you that way. But uh, Lycanroc, very, very cool, very fast. Sitting at 112 speed is important to note because it is one point faster than Mousehold, as well as being faster, of course, than Garchomp and some of the other major threats. And attacks out of 115, it's great. You know, doesn't need EVs anywhere else besides attack and speed. And uh, it does very well there for sure. I just had one more. What do you guys think of Palmon? Do you think people? Do you think we finally figured it out? I mean, it's got Double Shock, which is a really cool signature move, right? And then it's got Revival Blessing, plus sitting at 105 speed. It is faster than Garchomp, which is significant. 115 attack, we see that again. I think that there's something there. There, there have been a couple teams that have featured it. I'm just the idea to bring back a Pokemon from fainting. It's so interesting to me. Semper, you used Palmat on one of your teams, didn't you? Yeah, I used it in the very beginning. I, Perfect. What'd you do with it? It was just a standard hyper-offensive team with Goldengo, Murkrow. Yeah. I'm going to be honest. I think other than Dondozo, it's kind of mid. Don't just, say that. No. I, I don't know. I I take it back. It's not mid. It's it's all right. <laughs> it's okay. It can be mid. It's all right. It's so nice it can be mid. It's just so, it's just so damn frail. <laughs> It needs focus sash. Yeah. And then, like, 115 isn't all that. It has some crazy hitting moves, right? But you have to invest Terra mm-hmm. to, to use an electric move more than once, which is, like, which is sus in that yeah. regard. Its abilities are almost useless. A uh, uh, Mock Punch Iron Fist is, is the main thing there, but I don't know. I don't, I don't like it that much. Yeah, that's I, fair. Because it does get Nuzzle, which is not featured here on the move list, but that at least right. does give it some additional utility. So yeah, I remember like, being fast is nice. Right. I think the one team that did win something significant did have Nuzzle on it too. Yeah. And Fake Out, which is cool. Fake Out. Fake Out's a big one. I think I think it's all right. Yeah. I think it, if it's on Dundosa team's the best. I think it's just... But then saying that, so does Toxic Spike. So I don't, I don't know if you can <laughs> count that. Oh, yes. Can we please just talk about that real quick? That people are putting toxic spikes on the Asperata. I honestly think Glamora does it better. Yeah. You, you get damage and then you naturally get the toxic spikes up. But I, I don't think it's a gimmick. I think it's pretty good. But it's a lot of investment. And if you, you have counterplay to that, you kind of get boned just because they have counterplay. Right. The lengths that people are going to to stop Dondozo is so funny to me. Yeah. Just. They want to win the Zondozo Mirrors. I honestly think something that cheesy works because Dondozo is so common. Yeah. If you have a 100% winner versus Dondozo and then you can cheese out a couple wins. 
I honestly think you could cut with it. <laughs> We're going to start seeing uh, Defog on Murkrow for these classic spikes in VGC. Oh, man. Okay, serious question. Maybe I should probably look this up before I ask it. But if you defog in doubles, does the evasiveness of your ally Pokemon decrease as well? No, you get a target, I'm pretty sure. It's a target move. Yeah, it is a target, target. move. Oh, okay. It's and a then, weird one. So you're decreasing the Because I only use it in you're singles. targeting, but yeah. then you're also clearing everything else. Okay, got it. I got it. So, like, I remember I had this in uh, Jurassic League last season. That's right. If, like, you want to defog something in Psychic Terrain, you can't target your opponents, but you can target your teammate, which would get rid of the Psychic Terrain. Understood. Cool. That's important now. All right. I like that. Yeah. I think we covered the top 20 pretty well. I would definitely suggest for anybody who hasn't had a chance to look to just check out to see what some of these numbers are where, where everything's sitting and of course you know be on the lookout for any new updates that we that we have and um have fun building your teams and enjoy it because it is kind of neat to be able to look at some of these stats and some of these these spreads and some of these moves and natures and whatnot and be like you know what i don't think that that's correct i want to do something a little bit differently or you know what this teammate doesn't make any sense to me i'm going to do something else and that's where your creativity comes in. Something else that I do want to make note of that I should have touched on at the very beginning, this does not show Terra types. And that is important because with terrestrialization being the core mechanic of Generation 9, you want to know what type a Pokemon could be. Now, whether it's a limitation of the current format of Picolytics or a choice to not show it, um, I can't say for sure. But I kind of like it in a way because I think you get a feel for what the popular Terra types on specific mons become. But it also allows you to be more creative, you know, because if you see a Terra type, maybe that's going to sort of anchor in your mind that you should be using this one specifically, but I don't think that's necessarily the case. So have fun with your team building. Just get a use this as a guide, you know, don't use this as something that you have to follow. Because if nothing else, if you just become a meta slave and you are only following exactly what other people are doing, then number one, you are going to be extremely predictable. And number two, you're never going to develop your own battle persona, which is a big part of it as well. Because being able to battle somebody and defeat them is also about like reading them as, a, as an actual opponent, at least in my opinion. Yeah, another thing that it's really useful for is if you're, you got a match and you see something in Team Preview that you like don't really know what it's doing. You know, like if you see the Oscarata site, you probably have a decent idea of what most of its moves are going to be. Yeah. But I'm like scrolling down this list. If you say, oh, I'm going against Vaporeon. I don't know what Vaporeon's running right now. You can look and say, oh, well, 98% of them are running Muddy Water. It's probably going to be that. Uh, Hayes, I have a decent idea of what this thing is going to do. Yep. I do think, though, that uh, I think this time and this series specifically, Honestly, any series with an open team sheet, I think it's just best to understand what the top mons do. And they're top mons for a reason. People are going to bring them to regionals. Like, everyone expects a ton of Don Dozo. Everyone expects a ton of Meowth Grata. Just being able to know what they do and how to play around it, I, that's very beneficial. So I think while you shouldn't, you shouldn't force yourself to play meta if you, don't, if you don't like a team, but you're forcing yourself to play because it's meta, I don't think that's the way to go. But I do think... Understanding your matchups versus meta teams and knowing how to play meta teams 
it's a key skill, especially with open team sheet. You're able to understand what a team does and how a team flows, how a team works, if you know teams similar in the past. No, I definitely, I definitely agree with you on that. Getting to know a team and like using it and then losing while using it, you can sort of get a feel for okay, how do I beat this if I if I were that opponent? Like, what are what are people bringing against me? So then that, that way, if I'm facing them, then I know what I can bring against it. So I think there's a lot to be learned by just knowing what is out there and what people are utilizing, as opposed to just going in completely blind, which also doesn't give you any benefit. You know? Exactly. Um, well, cool. I think that we covered this. Thank you both very much for for joining me on this deep dive into the December data for Peakalytics. If there's good response to this episode and you guys want us to do more of this kind of stuff, we're certainly more than welcome to. I just wanted to to do it first off and see how it goes. So um, we will end it there. And we are going to go to that interview with Tony and Spicer. I'm very excited for this. So I hope you enjoy. All right. Uh, well, I am very excited to welcome in two members of the VGC Trainer School podcast that are actually live on scene at the San Diego Regional Tournament. Uh, we have with us Spicer and Tony. Thank you both so much for taking a little bit of time out of the busy round to round schedule. You know, thanks for talking to us. How are you guys doing? What's going on? Like, you know, uh, how's the tournament going so far? Um, like right now I got one more round to break even, uh, I did horrible in the beginning. I came back and now I'm do doing horrible again. And I think I'm just hungry. I'm not going to lie. I'm starving <laughs> now. <laughs> uh, yeah, mine is similar except my comeback wasn't as good. So I'm six, three right now, six, three, six right now. Right okay. now I'm five, four. So I got one more chance. Okay. I mean, you know what? Those are those are still good 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 records. I mean, especially since this is the largest VGC tournament that that has ever existed. So the fact that you you know win it all and are getting some some wins, I mean, like that's that's fantastic. I think. So uh, I know. <laughs> no, it's not patronizing. I'm being serious. Like you're playing against people that have been preparing a lot and winning and stuff. That's awesome. Like I think that's great. Yeah. Um, well. It's not about winning. It's about the power of friendship. Oh, dude, I ended people's nights. Like, they were, like we were at the, like, oh, you know, because it's minus three right now. Or it was minus three. So it was like, oh, anyone who had a minus three, it was like trying to end everyone's night. So it was kind of, it's like, it's bittersweet. You know, maybe it's the competitive side, but I, I was proud to end some people's nights. Then oh, I yeah, got totally. my night ended, and I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> No, playing the role of spoiler is fun, you know. One thing I really like is uh, hanging out with, like, the other people at the loser's tables, basically, because they're all, like, really, like, humble and nice people. Nice. And, like, everybody, a lot of them are, like, just here to have a good time because the tryhards, you know, they lost and then went home. Sure. So, but everybody else is, like, uh, we've definitely made friends. Oh, yeah, for sure. Oh, nice, nice. Have you seen anybody from the community uh, on, like, from the VGC Trainer School? You know I mean, what? We met uh, High Res King and we met Ozolite in person. Very cool. Very cool. That's exciting. Yeah, they're pretty cool. Uh, nice. High Res King, he's uh, pretty handsome. <laughs> All right. All right. That's nice. It's always so, a, no, a no one bonus. beats that smile, though, Jake. 
Ah, uh, okay. Well, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, All right, we'll do I'll, a face reveal eventually. That. <laughs> <laughs> um, so a couple things that I just, uh, real quick, you know, since you guys are here, I know sometimes at these events, they have like side events that you can do. Have you been able to participate in any of those? No, there aren't any today. They're like all for the last day. Gotcha. And I personally am not going to be here tomorrow because I'm going to a festival, but Shinobi will be here. Okay. Yeah, I'm probably going to be here for like maybe a couple hours, you know, it, like it's cool to watch, but like I don't want to watch the whole thing kind of thing, you know? Sure, sure. I mean, sometimes like the, like the best seat is really just watching it on YouTube or Twitch or whatever. How has it been battling in the union circle? Like, because you guys didn't see, but the first streamed battle was between Brendan Zhang and Hayden. And there were two disconnects. It took them so long to actually be able to start the match. Have you had any technical difficulties in battling? Uh, I had a few. Like, okay. they're, like, I didn't have them in the beginning. It was more towards the end. I mean, once they figure it out, then it's, like, really quick. So it wasn't too bad. Okay. Uh, in, in my experience, I've heard of a lot of people having disconnect issues today. And uh, sometimes they've even had you have to do a local connection and just hope like nobody else tries to jump in. But sure. I did sit at a table where there were six of us in close vicinity that were all disconnecting as soon as our leads went out. And so they had to move us all to a different table. And it worked after that, but there's definitely some bugs. So that, that table was like the dead zone, I guess. Yeah. Interesting. Cool. Okay. Well, uh, I mean, maybe that's something they'll be able to get, you know, figured out for future events and stuff. Well, I'll let you guys go. I just had one last question because I've always been so curious. So the rounds themselves are like, you know, 50 minutes or so, and then you go to the next one. What do you guys do in between the rounds? In between, we kind of just meet back up. Uh, just like make out. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. No. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, we just hang out because we've made a lot of friends. We usually just meet okay. up with our group and chat about how our games went. Yeah. And, you know, talk shit. Yeah, cool. basically. Nice. Like, it's like, it, you know, you'll know when someone's salty, you know, when someone won. Yeah. Like, that's by looking at them. It's not even like, oh, hey, how'd you do? It's like, oh, you won. Oh, what'd you lose to? Oh, fucking. Did you see that fucking guy with the Scyther and Aviolite? I did. That was kind of cool. Shout out to that guy. Okay, I like that. I saw that. Dude, I saw Claude Sire, and shout out to Claude Sire guy. Oh, absolutely. Wow, that was my favorite. Shout out to the girl that gave me a free little 3D printed Sprigatito. Oh, <laughs> man. It's not about the winning, you know, it's about the free stuff you got on the way. I got <laughs> I got a pretty cool Litten hat, too. That's that awesome. That? You just all yeah. catted out. You didn't get your free hat. Oh, I get a free hat? Oh, for the record, the Rowlets went at, sold out instantly, but there's oh, sure. plenty of Piplups and Littens. Okay. Well, you gotta get you gotta get a litten for for Thrillo. I, I know that I like that. Right. Yeah. We'll go. I see James Bach right now. Cool. Cool. Just, just for the record, Shinobi got flinched on me with Rock Slide on my Garchomp turn one, and uh, just for the record, we actually paired up. That's right. You guys battled. Yeah, it was a good time. Six hundred people, and you're just you're battling somebody that you talk to on Discord all day. <laughs> yeah well when you're both oh and oh and three it's more likely i guess so in that respect but that's the power of friendship too you know exactly <laughs> um well cool well thank you so much guys for uh for stopping on i would love to have you on for um like the next episode so we can do a deeper dive talk about you know 
really like the full tournament experience and maybe moving forward what some of the some of the meta shifts are going to be based on you know top cut top eight and the the final uh you know enjoy whatever it is you end up doing tomorrow and um we'll talk later all right peace later thanks all right well thank you everybody so much for staying tuned for listening and for uh hopefully enjoying what we've had for you today uh, this is the VGC Trainer School podcast. I have been Jake, and with me, of course, Will. Yep, thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. Um, happy laddering, everybody. Good luck to people in the regionals, even though by the time you'll hear this, you'll have already hopefully won. Definitely. And Semper, thanks so much for joining as well. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Awesome. Uh, all right, well, take care, everybody. Uh, have a great rest of your day or evening or whenever you're listening to this class dismissed.